Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Lee in Washington, you're on the air, go ahead. Hey, Alex Jones, I've been waiting a long time to talk to you. Anyways, I just wanted to say, um, I remember back in the day, uh, Y2K, the Bill Cooper incident, and you smoking to eat me, Joe Rogan. Now you lost your kids, and I'm so happy about that, dude. If I ever seen you in real life, I would smack the shit out of you. I would delay that because we can't have cussing. I've never taken DMT. And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I'm a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. My guest this evening is Gene Steinberg, host and executive producer for The Paracast. He, of course, is an award-winning journalist who first discovered the magic of writing while still a teenager. He edited his own science fiction and new age fanzine and began writing a science fiction novel about an Earthman who finds himself in an unknown land faced with life-threatening situations. Over the years, Gene also developed a strong in UFOs and other paranormal phenomena and wrote and edited a number of commentaries on the subject. He, of course, has written over 30 books on computers and the Internet, plus hundreds of articles for such industry publications as Mac Addict, Mac Home, User Mac World, and Computer Shopper. He also, of course, has written for CNET. Once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your heart and into your minds. Here we are again on another night like this. Welcome back to another dose of the Michael Deacon program. Tonight, for sure, will be a bit of a rattlesnake. Always an honor and pleasure to be here with all of you. Thank you to those listening here in America and those who listen outside of America. Guten Morgen. That's for the German listeners out there. No matter where you are on this island Earth, I really do appreciate you tremendously. Now, I believe my guest is already waiting. Let's bring him in. Let's get down to brass tacks. Thanks for spending some time here with all of us. And this is a pre-record, by the way, so don't worry. Well, that's okay. When we do our show, we record it, but the editing process is very, very, very meager. We kind of clean it up a little bit, a little bit of a shave and haircut, that sort of thing. A light shave. So, you know, if, if an episode has a beard on it, it you know, it's, it's going to take more work, but we do a quickie. That's all. We want it to be spontaneous. Right. And I've been looking forward to this for a very long time. And, of course, you are the host and executive producer for the Paracast, alongside with your partner, Chris O'Brien. Right. Who has been on the program before. Yes. Oh, and he did such a great job when he was on here. Well, Chris is a really good talk show person. He kind of developed into the job as we put him on week after week, and I think he got more and more used to it. 
after a while. So he's come along pretty well. He really has. I, I didn't expect any of that from him. He, it, well, you listened to the program when he was on, correct? No, I did not. I'm aware of some of what went on, but I did not listen to the show. Well, nobody was safe. Everybody was in his uh, crosshairs, per se. Not even you were right. safe. Right. Well, you see, and also, Chris, you have to understand, when you talked to Chris, it was, I guess, early this year or the last year, I forget. But he had just come out of a rather serious illness, lung infection. And he was also, you know, suffering some personal issues. And I think he was happy to vent against everybody. So everybody was in his crosshairs, and he hated everybody. And I understand the thing. If you're not really up to everything and things haven't gone super well, then you're going to go possibly be very upset with him. And so I really, I'm not going to talk about what he say. I just think he was venting, and people are entitled to vent. And like I said, Chris is someone I really like. He's basically family, and when you have someone in your family who says something that's not nice about you, you let it slide. That's very true. I was like, holy shit, I, I like this guy. I think I might have found my new co-host. <laughs> well, we do that sometimes on this show. We shake up people. As a matter of fact, I got a letter from one listener, and he's a lifetime subscriber to the Paracast Plus. And he decided he doesn't want to listen to the show anymore. Oh, why not? And the reason, Well, I guess that he doesn't like Chris. He thinks Chris is too outspoken about some things. He thinks he's a bit of he, he thinks Chris is a bit of a prick. Well, I don't want to use those phrases. I, he didn't say that. He just felt that Chris was possibly being too too direct about some things. But his, there's he nothing wrong with that. Uh, there's there's nothing well, wrong with no. being outspoken. No, we do it all the time. I think I part love of that, it is yes. that that that's why right, I'm a well, big fan of, of yours because you guys are outspoken just like I am. Right. Well, I think part of it is that he didn't like when Chris uh, talk about politics with someone of a left-leaning orientation, and he also was concerned about, quote, religion bashing with no equal time. Oh, and we boy. don't talk about religion that much, but I was, you know, understood that some people just don't want to listen to anything that goes outside their bubble. And I think that's the real problem we have with our society now, is that a lot of people live in this bubble in their comfort zone, and they'll listen to the cable TV news that fits their point of view or moves them to adopt that point of view. And they do not listen to the other side. And by not listening to the other side, they're not getting a full picture of what's going on. And if and when a certain news source is really spinning the news, and I can mention the obvious offenders in a moment, but if they're really spinning the news, they get a really false picture about what's going on. And that's why we have this mess now that you can talk to two different people and they live in different universes, different realities. And uh, by the way... You got a cold or something? Yeah, I kind of do. I, I must apologize. That's okay. We'll, we won't hold it against you this time. Yeah, I've been kind of sick lately. Oh, that's too bad. But got to move forward. The show, exactly. The show must go uh, on. Onward and upward. Right. So, Gene, I, I must backtrack a little bit here. I thought we could just uh, go over your background just very briefly here for those who have never heard of you. Well, let's put it this way. I was born in Brooklyn, New York. I first got interested in radio broadcasting when I was a teenager, and it's an interesting story because I was a reader of a magazine called Famous Monsters of Filmland. Ever hear of it? I actually have. Okay. It was published by a guy named Jim Warren, but the editor was a famous sci-fi horror film fan name of Forrest J. Ackerman, and he had his lifetime a built kind of a museum of sci-fi and horror film materials. 
in Los Angeles. In fact, when he traveled, he wore a ring, which was the ring that Bela Lugosi wore in playing Dracula. He wore the Dracula ring, the real one. And he had an item in the magazine saying that he would visit the home of a number of readers around the country. And we would set it up for a lunch and have some people that he would invite to the session. I wrote a letter explaining why he should come to my house. And I won or lost, depending on your point of view. And I set that thing up like a talk show, kind of like Long John Nebel would set it up with a bunch of mics around a table and a couple of tape recorders to capture. And of course, you know, with radio, they would go out to a board. And I did this session with him and with the other guests. And we did like a one hour pseudo broadcast recording him answering questions. And I thought to myself, this is a way to make this. And I went to broadcasting school and I worked for about 10 years in commercial radio first as a disc jockey, then later as a newscaster. And the newscaster gig came about because unlike a few other people at these stations, I could put more than two words together and make them coherent. So therefore, I was a radio broadcaster. But for a period of time, I also was the managing editor of a flying saucer magazine, Saucer News, published by Jim Mosley. And this is when I was going to school. And then after I graduated, I went out to seek my fortune, more or less. So that's my connection with Mosley. I knew Jim Mosley from the time I was a teenager, and he's the first guest on the Paracast. Right. All right. Segue to the temporary suspension of my broadcast career. I had a bad situation with one particular broadcaster. And instead of doing that, I had a side business going. And I engaged in that side business, got remarried, moved to New York City, stayed there for a number of years. And then back in the late 80s, I got involved in UFO research again and started looking into that. And then in the early 90s, I started writing books and magazine articles about personal technology for all the consumer magazines you might be familiar with at the time, like Macworld and Mac User. And then later I worked with CNET, which is now a CBS affiliate. And I worked with Computer Shopper and publications like that. Got very active in that. And then 2002, I had the opportunity to do a radio show on technology online. And one of the regular guests on the show was also interested in UFOs. And we decided, this is before Chris joined the show, we decided to try a paranormal radio show in 2006. And right. that became Paracast. Our first guests were Brad Steiger and Jim Mosley. And in 2010, summer 2010, we got in touch with Ted Anderson, head or owner of the GCN network, and we became a network radio show, both shows. And here we are. Yes, and here we are. And it seems like you've made some enemies along the way too, right? I don't know a few. I think there are a handful of people who, you know, just like to spend time trying to find a life, and so they feel that somehow they should go up against me. But i rather not dwell on them too much. I don't think that advances anything in doing research about paranormal events. It really doesn't. No, it has nothing to do with it. Right. I just think some people are obsessed with nonsense and let's just get on with our lives. Yeah, some people have gone on the attack and you and me both. Some people have they tried to do, you? yeah, plenty of times. People have, they've tried to, uh, Donald Trump me a couple times, sending audio. Oh, they are. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So do they, they, do they misspell those messages as much as Donald Trump does? I'm sure they do. They're not as intelligent as Donald Trump is, but... Um, well, how, why do we assume he's intelligent? Well, he is the president, after all. He kind of pulled a fast one on all of you out there. Well, he pulled a fast one on 
about thirty percent or thirty five percent of the that population. That takes a little bit of an, that, that takes a little bit of intelligence. It, yeah, he is good at marketing. I'll say that exactly. I don't think I don't know whether he has any factual core though, where he actually recognizes reality. But well, that doesn't that. mean he can't. That doesn't mean necessarily that he's not skilled at marketing. Certainly, he wasn't that great at building things because he was bankrupt six times. So that really didn't help very much. But he's made, you know, as much as he's accomplished things that fit the Republican agenda, he's also made a mess of the country. He's made a mess of this country's reputation around the world. I'm not arguing so, that. <laughs> yes, he has. Right. And so, yeah, so they've, they've done FT with tweets. With me, it's a couple of blogs. That's mostly it. And some nasty letters. I have no idea what goes on behind the scenes, but I have not been the victim of a storm that I know about. I'm not a big tweeter person. I don't do Twitter very often, and maybe I'm oblivious to it. Yeah, you're not. Seen. Yeah, you're not really missing out on anything in the Twitter universe at all. No, I do. I I will see the quotes in the various news sources that I consult, but I do not engage in lots of tweeting myself. I mean, I will occasionally or send out announcements about shows, about my blog or something like that. That's about it. I don't get into it very heavily. I don't know. I think until Trump came around and made it the thing to do, I think Twitter was kind of beginning to kind of slow down its growth. It kind of has in a, in a bit, but he's also influenced everyone out there to kind of just go out and attack everyone. I noticed that. Well, if they want, and so so let's find out here. Let me interview you instead. Go okay, ahead. so you are being attacked on Twitter. Not not on and Twitter. They, uh, other, not on Twitter. I'm not being attacked there. Uh, through other other facets, like say uh, through email or uh, comments on YouTube per se. Uh, people. YouTube. Mm -hmm, people are actually sending audio clips of what I've said many many years back out of context in ways to try to prevent me from being on certain spots on terrestrial radio. Well, this is interesting. It sounds to me like they're treating you like Fox News has uh, <laughs> treated people like Clinton and Obama, where they take their statements out of comments. And it also comments. it also comes from a, a former co-host of mine. That, that's one of the people who have gone out and done this to try oh. to stop me. Yeah, he, he turned out to be a pretty big piece of shit. But, you know, I already knew going in that he was a piece of shit. But um, he, who was your former co-host? Uh, he, he was this uh, low, low life talent by the name of Daniel. Daniel. OK. Mm -hmm. Never heard of him. Uh, you and me both. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, I'm you glad know, to hear that. that yeah. Well, you know, mm -hmm. we've all, we all we've all had our co-host problems but sometimes it's because the co-host is having personal issues that are difficult to deal with and so the best thing is let people do what they have to do and exactly. deal with their own stuff and then move on what you have to do so i understand that but again you you know as long as that person doesn't return and try to annoy you you can basically pretend they no longer exist ah well that's or fine them people are going to do whatever they want in this yeah. life, people do whatever they want, and I'm sure you're aware of that. I am. I am, and I think that's why I think it's best that you and I both focus on current stuff. There's so much current stuff. Oh, to well, talk of course, about. of course. I'm just. We should. Have, I'm just we, being. We, we under, sure, right. I understand. Mm -hmm. But we're just dealing with the fact that you know we have a messy political situation in Washington. We have threats of possible war with North Korea, and we have the UFO field 
where oh, I there is a little bit of hope that things might be a little bit better for obvious reasons. Yes, Gene, and I, I do want to get into all those things with you, but I just wanted to make it perfectly transparent to you and to everyone out there that I pretty much live for these beeps, Gene. So, you know, I, I'd love going heads up with anyone out there. Well, I hope that, you know, I'm not the kind of person who likes to engage in online flame wars with people. No problem. And I'll give you, I'll give you an example of that. I'll, I'll take you back to an example of where ahead. I first encountered this practice. Okay. In the early 90s, I was a paid forum moderator for America Online, or AOL. And I got to write several books about AOL, my first published books. My old stomping AOL. grounds. Yeah, that's where all of this originated from. Okay. And I can see where that happens. Word. So because obviously I was regarded as an evangelist for AOL, even though I was basically a journalist, they would attack me in some of those Usenet news groups. Oh, I and I remember those. one particular attack where I responded with some basic facts. And the person tried to school me in the, shall we say, the culture, saying, this is a flame war. I flame, I flame you, flame me. And I said, you can do what you want, but I'm not interested. That's not my game. I have a life, and that's not part of it. Well, <laughs> so I think that didn't endear me to some people because I wouldn't get into flame wars as much. You know, I try to stay above that. I don't think it really accomplishes anything. I don't mean not responding when someone attacks you without justification. I mean just screaming and oh, yelling. Oh, well, exactly, Gene. These people that have said things about me uh, rightfully deserve uh, the receipt. Perhaps, but then don't you think that you're descending to their level? Not at all, because sometimes it's fun to be mean. Oh, is it? I think okay. so. I think it's pretty entertaining because this is a talk show, and my goal here is to be entertaining as well as informative. Um, okay. You know, I don't want to run a boring show. I mean, who the hell wants to listen to that? Well, I think everyone has a different approach in exactly. how they do things. Exactly. In, in the old days of the Long John Nebel radio show, what he would do sometimes is have his panel of experts gang up on a guest. Oh, yes. When, I recall. When they deserved it, and sometimes they deserved it. Mm -hmm. And so he would sometimes just mollify them, placate them, and sometimes he would just rip them a new one. And we do that yeah. at times on the Paracast when the guest deserves it. But that's not a flame war, and that's not a screaming match. That's simply pointing out that somebody is being deceptive, that somebody is saying things that just have no factual basis. Yeah, like Douglas Dietrich, another guy who's mentioned my name a couple of times, and I had to tear him a new one a few times. I don't even know who that is. Nah, he's a moron, don't worry. Okay. He won't bother you. Well, if he tries, that will be something that he will live to regret. Oh, he's so underneath talent, you won't even have to worry about him, Gene. Okay, very good. Indeed. So, going back to the whole Paracast, what exactly got you, I guess you could say, influenced enough to want to create a talk show about the paranormal? Well, as I said, I was doing a radio show on technology, and one of the people who was a regular guest was also interested in the paranormal. And I thought we had a good rapport on the show. And somewhere along the line during the course of discussions, I said, let's do a second radio show. Let's do one about the paranormal. And that's how it started. This is probably in late 2005. The Paracast debuted in 2006, February 28th. And so to start the first show, I recruited Jim Mosley and Brad Steiger. Originally, we were going to call it Paracast World. And Brad said, you know, keep it simple. Call it Paracast. Call it Paracast instead. So we said, okay, the Paracast. 
and I found out that the domain was available. So I registered that domain, and we started there. And then we streamed the show with Apple's QuickTime, which is what we were using with the technology show. So I don't think it was impossible to listen to. A Mac and a PC could run QuickTime, but that's how we did it. And then we saved an MP3 version, which became the source of the podcast file. Right. You were like Leo Lepore. Uh, probably around the same time he came out. I know of him. I never listened to his show. And that's one thing, too, which is nothing personal. I tend not to listen to other paranormal or technology shows. I can't even and listen to is, paranormal shows, to be honest. Oh, good. Well, then uh, that's fine. I don't, not because if it's a personal criticism or anything, it's because I'm too busy and don't want to dwell on what they do because I'm too busy doing what I do. Right. And therefore, it's fine that some people who are even semi-regular guests on the Paracast have their own shows. That's cool. You know, Micah Hanks, for example, Grayley and Report and some other things. Radio Mysterioso from Greg Bishop. Shows like that. But I have no criticism against Greg. He's one of my friends. I just have never heard a show. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Sometimes we just don't have enough time. But the reason why I don't right. listen to too many paranormal shows is because I've had a number of weird things happen. So it's like uh, I'm kind of done with it right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Weird things yeah, do tell. Well, there's been a number of weird things that have happened, and I've talked about it so many times on the show, stemming way back when I was just a child. Uh, my uh -huh. grandmother had passed, and she usually late, late at night, 1, 2 a.m., she would always be washing dishes at that hour. So let's just say she's away two, three months after she passed. I would hear someone in the kitchen washing dishes, and I, I clearly remember waking up, going out there to say hi to her. I, I don't know why, but that just came to my mind. I thought, oh, I'll go say hi to Grandma. So I walk out there, and there's no one there. How old were you at the time? I believe I might have been six or seven years old at the time. Uh-huh. Right. And just, just recently, something strange happened when I returned back here. I was hanging out with my father. And we were watching a show, and nobody else was in the house. It was just me and him. And, right. And across the TV, there's this little table. And, you know, there's fruit, there's letters, there's, you know, everything you would find in any living room, I guess you could say. A bunch of crap on the table. But there's this little bowl of fruit. There's oranges, and there, there's just various fruits. Just randomly, out of the blue... Some uh, I don't know if it was... A, uh, I, can't rem I can't recall if it was a grapefruit or an orange. But that thing bounced off the table, and at first I thought, did someone throw throw that, or was it the vibration of the of the sound that caused that? But after examining it a little bit further, I noticed that nothing else moved except just that piece of fruit. And uh, both, right. yeah, both me and my father were just like, "What the hell?" As, um, I gather you've had other episodes of this nature. Yeah, there's a few others. Okay, but those are just ever see a UFO. Um, I live out here where there's a naval facility, and the Blue Angels train out here. Where's that? I live in a small little town called El Centro, California. Okay. And uh, sometimes we see strange lights out here. I well, myself of being near a base, mm -hmm. you know, but possibly be something conventional. That's what I'm thinking. So, or maybe ET is after you, and the reptilians are about to pick you up and take you on a long trip somewhere. That's too David Ikeish for me. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if that. That qualifies for that, but um, it is unusual that these things have happened. There's been other instances, but, uh, you know, I'm a little bit past from, from talking about the paranormal. 
However, it doesn't rule out shows that bring on other guests that don't have anything to do with the paranormal. I'll still try to listen to those programs, but it is very difficult when you do your own show and you don't want to feel like you're copying someone else. Sure. Yeah, you, you understand that part, right? I understand. Part of it is, again, that I don't have the time. Part of it is I don't want to be unfairly influenced by somebody else. Whatever I do, for better exactly. or worse, is what I do. And I've been doing it for so long at this point, it probably doesn't make a difference one way or the other. Yeah, you've been you've been at it, the Paracast, for many, many moons now. Many moons. Many moons. There's been some, years. There's been some great shows. I particularly liked your show with Michael Horn, who, of course, is an affiliate here. I, I, I told him that I found him entertaining, and I think he took a little bit of offense to that. He doesn't want to provide entertainment. I don't know. I got bored with him because I thought after a while that he was so into himself. I've heard that, that before. I really, I, right. Well, I didn't think it was worth bothering to get in the way. I didn't want to be in the way. You know, he's so into himself. Let him uh, consort with himself. and Let him do his thing, yeah. Let him do his thing, mm -hmm. but elsewhere. I and also, I haven't got the time to dissect all the things he tells us that are not true. I think the problem with getting into the Billy Meyer shtick is that once we did it, for two shows. Our forums were flooded with his supporters. And after a while, we had to shut it down because there was just no way to have a back and forth conversation that made any sense. So at that point in time, I, along with my previous co-host, decided that we don't need this anymore. And right. we moved on. And there's some, there's some subjects that do that, that just get really a little bit excessive in the way they treat a particular subject. Another example of that is UFO abductions. The last time we featured Dr. David Jacobs on the show. Oh, yes. I like he, him. He became a very polarizing influence. Surprisingly so, because we had him on before and we never saw this racket. But this particular occasion, the last book he wrote, it just became messy. And it was another one of those situations where you had this endless forum discussion about it. And it faded out. So I haven't been too interested in abduction since then. We've had other shows, but I don't know that we'd bring him back anymore because I just don't really buy what he's selling. And we'll leave it at that. Yeah, there's a lot of people who hate him, and they go after him pretty viciously on YouTube. Well, I'm aware of that, but I think it's not a matter of hate. I mean, there's too much energy lost with hate. I just think that he believes something that is not supported. He believes that a hybrid race is being developed to take us over. I see that his technique and hypnosis is very, very questionable. In fact. The last time he was on the Paracast, he said that we were badgering him. Oh, boy. Because we really, really, really... You went after him a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. We honed in on some of the missing pieces of evidence of what he was doing. This was the show back in 2015, as a matter of fact. So some guests, our, some guests they, they don't like that. You know, they, they kind of get very angry and uppity with you. Uh, take, for example, when I was interviewing uh, Linda Godfrey. There we go. You know, I, I like her. I have nothing against her, but at one time, I had told her something on the air, and she got so angry with me that she wrote me an email, and it was just a miscommunication. I, I just had said that she was a little controversial, and that I, I liked that about her, and she got really upset with me for whatever reason. She did, huh? Last time we had her on was, I don't know, I think last year. Yeah, she's always been a gracious guest with us. I guess we didn't I, I just... push the wrong... Gene, I, I just, guess you pushed yeah. the wrong button. I, I just, I just, I just told her. I said, "Do you acknowledge that some people get, uh, they get kind of skeptical about 
some of the things you talk about. I, I just mentioned that to her and it seemed like that was like I was the first person that ever questioned her about it. That's the way she reacted. Well, I think we've brought that up in different ways, but we didn't get any negative reaction at all. So I don't know. Maybe she was in a bad mood. Maybe, well, maybe, you know, people have other issues sometimes that influence what they have to say. And maybe that was the problem this time. It had nothing to do with you or what you said, but just the timing was off. Yeah, we... we... You know know how people, sometimes Mm -hmm. you say something to somebody and they go off on you. No, they take it the wrong way. Some people are very sensitive. Or maybe it's something you, you know, it's you. Maybe people just hate you. There's something. Some people hate me. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, they they hate you and you think things. Okay, well, Mm -hmm. then you. At that particular point in time, then you don't have to worry about it. If you enjoy the hate, yeah, I you, do. It's part of the and, and you no. and you sustain yourself with the hate, and it keeps you going. Then that's your thing. It's part of the kayfabe, right? Right. Yeah. Or whatever. I dig it. It's all good. You gotta. Right. You gotta break a few eggs to make an omelet, Gene. It sounds like you're echoing Uh-oh. Jack Nicholson. Oh well, a little bit there. Yeah, from Batman. Yeah, I'm glad you kind of know what's going on there. Those references. That's good. That's good. Well, you know, I'm a big culture kind of person that's why i like your show gene you and chris both. i'll give you the pop i'll give you the pop okay i'll give you the pop culture the pop culture why for example i like the dc comic superhero shows on the cw you like that and for, yeah, you, you don't I think like, there's I like, like a you, you don't think there's like an oversaturation of these kind of films already by now and in, in 2017 well, talking about the tv shows oh okay, about the TV, the tv shows, shows not, oh, okay not the movies i think that dc comics misfired with Justice League, which could have been a really good film. And you have to think about it. You've got Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman, especially Wonder Woman, because that movie was wonderful. That was just a wonderful movie. And you have The Flash. And then you have right. you know, all these characters coming. There's Cyborg. I wasn't familiar with Cyborg. And you bring them together. But the first disconnect is you've got a really good actor, Henry Cavill, playing Superman. But then on the TV show Supergirl, they bring on a Superman played by Tyler Hoechlin, who is an actor who played in Teen Wolf, and a really good actor, and I think he's also a really good Superman. He's one of the best we've had. He's a little bit reminiscent of George Reeves and Christopher Reeve in the way he approaches Clark Kent. And so you, they expect you to accept one guy playing Superman in the movies, another guy on TV. The Flash. You've got one guy playing The Flash in the movies, one guy playing him on TV. Right. That's normal. They accept that. That's normal. I think it's absurd, but, you know, to each his own. And then, but the reason I feel a little slightly close to Supergirl is because one of my acquaintances back in the early days, late 60s, early Mm -hmm. 70s, was a sci-fi and comic book continuity writer named Otto Binder. Ever hear of him? Uh, Vaguely. It sounds familiar. I I had a friend who was all into this, and he would Talk to me for hours about this, and I just thought, my God, you you know a lot. Who? Oh, I was re- referring to an old friend of mine. About okay. This thing. Okay, right. Well, Otto Bender was the creator of Supergirl, co-creator of Supergirl in 1959. Right. So knowing Otto Bender, I enjoyed watching that show, especially the pilot episode where Supergirl is introduced to the world, and she flies a plane that she rescued over the Otto Bender Bridge because they were paying in the first episode, recognition of the creator of the character. Things like that I enjoy. I have a lot of fun with that. And I, especially when they don't take the superheroes mm-hmm. and make them dark and depressed. Oh, yeah. I think that's where you were saying to me before that you think the movies are overwhelming. And I think part of it right there is... Uh-oh, I might have lost you there. You did? 
Yeah, for a moment Hello? there. Gene. Well, I, I do that to people. Mm -hmm. What happens is I send out these vibes and the <laughs> yes. telephone system, especially because we're using a VoIP system here, which is an online telephone service. Right. Sometimes it sends out nasty vibes. And the ones in the zeros freak out. Oh, well, that explains that. They're, they're fighting each other. They're controversial. They hate each other, the ones in the zeros. And they say, why can't we have twos? Why do we have to have just ones and zeros? That's the conundrum. Yes. So Why can't we have twos and th Right. Are, are there any other are there any other TV shows you watch currently that you actually like? I like scripted I like scripted dramas. I think that we are in the golden age of television in terms of scripted dramas. So I watch things, you know, crowd pleasers like uh, NCIS Los Angeles or SWAT, uh, which is, features a former actor from Criminal Minds. I like those shows. Right. I like Blacklist, which I think is a really good show. Blind Spot, you know, where you have this woman who originally was actually in one of the Marvel couple of the Marvel films, Thor films, she plays one of the goddesses, and she's on the show Blind Spot, where they find her. She comes out of a duffel bag, nude in Times Square, because you don't see her being nude, and she's covered her body with tattoos, and they all have some significance, some mystical significance, and the show is about trying to figure out what this is all about and who's responsible. And it's also produced by the same guy who is a executive producer of the superhero shows on DC comics from CW. Very nice. Uh, Greg Berlanti, the guy's name. So I like that show. That's a lot of fun in terms of that. I watch the Marvel superhero shows on Netflix, Daredevil, Defenders, Luke Cage. You're familiar with those? I think I saw only a few minutes of the Luke Cage thing. Right. It's not that bad. And I think those are really well done. Those are, are very gritty. They are. Shows yeah. And I think the fight choreography is just excellent. What What about the uh, TV show, The Strain? I just finished watching. Strain, I haven't seen it. it. I think you might like it. Okay. I'll make a list. Right now, I don't have enough time to watch all the TV shows I want to watch. I think there's too many. There's too and many. And just regular cable. There are too many. There are too many shows. I mean, really good shows. You, know, you have The Man in the High Castle. It's won a lot of awards for Amazon Prime Video. And I got to see a few minutes of it because... In connection with my technology show, I was reviewing a TV set that was supplied by Vizio. So they said, oh, we can review the set. They'll let us have the set if we actually publish a review. And I said, sure. You know, it's a great gig when you get it. Right. And so I got to look at the different services. So we got to watch that. But again, I usually end up with the DVR having more shows than I could watch. That seems to be the problem and limited time to watch those shows. That's I think it's case. reaching a point here where... Eventually, it's going to hit a saturation point because all these services want to come out with their own exclusive content. Like, for example, they've got a new Star Trek show, Star Trek Discovery, on CBS All Access. Really? I didn't five, know that. It's, it's five ninety nine a month to see it. Wow. But how many fees do you want to pay particular services? I don't have the money. I don't right? either. I manage to struggle with basic cheap cable and Netflix, and that's it. That's all I can afford. And it's probably a lot more than I can afford, but it keeps my sanity. That's probably and all you need. With, it probably is all you need, but you have all these services like CBS All Access has the Star Trek show, plus another show which is a spinoff of the TV series Good Wife, which also was a very, was an excellent show and you know really intelligent. And you have that, and that's just two shows to anchor a streaming service that are worth five ninety nine a month. I don't right. know. It might not be worth it. And you know what? realistically you could find everything you want to watch on the internet anyway there's that right of course you may not have to be able to go through all the legal channels to find it right but 
you know, I'm not really much into doing that, but I understand. Yes. That if you want to find something, you'll find enough. But there's so much there for free or very low price from legal sources. You don't have to worry about it. You know, one show I'm not going to watch is The Walking Dead. I haven't seen that. I'm not a big zombie Terrible. kind of show. It's awful. It I'm just, not a zombie. Ugh. It just, is it? It just turned, then why do so many people uh, watch it? Well, a lot of people watch that TV show Stranger Things with the, with those kids. I think that's awful too. Well, I like that one. So you see, you and I well, differ. But yeah, there's no I point just, in even discussing. Right. I just, I just, I'm just not into uh, plots with kids as the main star. It's just, I don't know. It's a little weird. It was a very Steven Spielberg 1980s kind of thing. Yeah. And you know, now Apple has is going to bring out exclusive TV shows. Even that's what they're they're doing that too. They're jumping on the bandwagon. Right. They're going to bring back Amazing Stories, the Steven Spielberg show from the 1980s, an anthology show in the tradition of Twilight Zone and Outer Limits. They're going to bring that back. Oh, that's kind of cool. And then they're going to bring out a show from Ronald D. Moore. Ronald D. Moore is a producer who worked on one of the Star Trek series, and he also produced the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. And you must have liked that show. It wasn't bad, yes. How do you feel about all these? uh, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. So he's what he's going to do is produce a show based on the theory that we didn't cut back on the manned research after the moon program ended. We didn't just cut back and sort of give it all up. What if it continued at the same level and then we went to Mars and other places? That's the premise of the show. It's one of these alternate reality kind of things. Yes. Speaking of all these TV shows, we've watched Hollywood Devour itself recently. How do you feel about all these sexual allegations that have been uh, plastered all over television screen, media outlet, all those all those terrible things? Well, I think of it this way. We caught all these people who did bad things, and I think it started with Bill Cosby. Right. Okay, Bill Cosby kind of opened the door. And then Donald Trump is accused by up to 20 different women of doing really, really nasty things. That's true. And then Harvey Weinstein did even worse things. But the problem is here, and the irony to quote soon to be former Senator Franken. Oh, yes. Is is how, you know, he did these things which he kind of owned up to halfway. And they still got the guy in the White House having done far worse and having admitted on one recording that that's what he liked to do, as we recall, the Access Hollywood recording. And then they had this guy running for U.S. Senator, a disgraced Judge Moore in Alabama. Judge Ray Moore, yeah, there you go. Yeah, and he admitted, Roy Moore admitted to, or he didn't admit to it, he denied it, but he was accused of diddling with a 14-year-old. Yeah, that's awful. By the way, did you hear his interview with Hannity by any chance? I Well, I caught part of it. I'm not a Hannity fan. Neither am I, but just hearing, you know, sometimes I'm forced to watch every side of the coin here just right. to you know just to get the information and my goodness that interview did not serve uh former judge roy moore any good it made him look pretty terrible right he had no real answers or anything yeah he but, his pr needs to get fired sure but regardless right you know, i'm glad he lost but then you have to also consider the mentality here because if we go back to the real world here older men say in their 20s hooking up with younger women, right. younger girls, it's not unusual. Loretta Lynn was, what, 13 years old when she was married to a guy in his 20s? I think so. Right. Yeah, these relations, so that's the relationships mentality. have been going on forever. Right. But we live in a different time now where anyone could just accuse yeah, you of anything and you lose your gig right away. Well, yes, but you can't just accuse somebody. You have to have something to back it up. Sure, that's very true. 
Yeah, I think in every case where something happened here, they had something to back it up. Now, some of them are just a little ridiculous. I just think, yes, maybe they did something that was a little bit untoward, but it got to be really a little too sensitive there. I think what needs to happen now is we have to kind of get a balance again. Not that a man or a woman can get away with patting someone's bottom or doing a few things like that, but there has to be some granularity to it. Understood. I think if you get too politically correct and somebody does something that is maybe a little bit improper, well, correct them. Say, don't do that. And that's it. Don't just fire them. I think that's maybe correcting too much in the wrong direction. How do you feel about Fox News? They were under a lot of heat this year, too, for... Well, certainly with Roger Ailes and Bill O'Reilly. Right, right. Bowling, And all that. Uh And what is it here that Bill O'Reilly... Or Fox and or Fox News paid $32 million to Lise Wheel, and she was a legal correspondent for Fox, and apparently Correct. she had some kind of improper relationship with Bill O'Reilly. How is that? I just wonder, really, with Fox News, how it's allowed to get away with what it gets away with, because Fox News has become state radio and state TV, if you get my drift. Oh, yes. It is the official spokespeople for the Trump administration, and we allow that. And enough people don't say this is you want this is fake news. This is a disgrace to the news business. And yet you do have a couple of people there who are responsible journalists, like Shepard Smith. If you watch Shepard Smith, you'll see there's a guy there that is totally, totally different from the rest of Fox News. That's true. He presents stories with a factual basis. He's a person that's like it's it's he's like the outlier. And I kind of hope that. Over time, they would drift to something more responsible, not whether you have a conservative or liberal orientation. That's perfectly fine. You know, it doesn't matter what point of view you have, if that's what you have. But when you distort the news, that's when it really gets to be uh, troublesome. I know there are some people out there who listen to this and say, well, you're just a liberal. No, I am a responsible journalist. And I think that you owe it to present actual factual information. You don't distort things. You don't take people out of context. You don't do what they did with Obama, where he was riffing on it takes a village, where you're basically saying that, you know, we all build our businesses and our lives based on the public commons, like the roads and the bridges and the public schools. Right. And he makes the comment, you didn't build that. He's talking about the roads and bridges. But they take the sentence out of context saying, he's dissing business. No, he's not. He's saying, in fact, you didn't build the roads and bridges, did you? Unless you make them private, then maybe you did build the roads and bridges. But that's what it was about. And you see, that's deception. And they even had a host segment in the 2012 Republican Convention, the National Convention, based on this misquote. You see, what Obama does, he's dissing business. That's what they or, do. That's not that's not journalism. Yeah, journalism is dead in uh, 2017. Almost 2018, it's been butchered. Well, it's been butchered, but you have to look at the fact that over the past year, some extraordinary work is being done by such papers as the New York Times and the Washington Post, you know, where they have focused, of course, on Trump and Russia and all that. But the point is here is this is investigative journalism at its best, and you still have that. And as long as we have that, even if it's just pockets of it, right. we'll survive. We'll get past this. You have to believe in that. Otherwise, you believe there'll be World War Three, and then we'll never have to worry about it. Going back to Fox, they also talked a little bit about the whole UFO thing. And I believe they even mentioned or they featured Tom DeLonge's footage there. Did you happen to see that? 
I haven't seen the footage except like just very briefly. And, you know, it looks like the usual stuff that's probably not clear enough to get a distinct uh, image of the of what you're seeing there. It's nice to have this stuff come out. I do think, however, that it puts out a couple of other question marks into the whole thing. So we have Senator Harry Reid, who was the Senate Majority Leader at the time, kind of wants this to happen, this investigation of UFOs. And he's friends with Bob Bigelow, as you probably read. Correct. And I, and I think Bigelow... Because it, the impression I got is they were not just doing their own investigation. They were handing it over to Bigelow. And this was before Bigelow made an investment in MUFON, if you recall, to do research that didn't work out so well. Yes, I read that. Okay. So that could have been – we don't know where that money came from, but maybe that money came from the government as part of this investigation. Whatever. The thing I wonder about, and I also heard the former staff member being interviewed on MSNBC, Elizondo. And they treat the thing as if this investigation exists in a vacuum, that there were never any other investigations like Project Blue Book. There hadn't been any ongoing investigations. And if the government has really solid knowledge about UFOs, UFO reality, that they're spaceships, if they recovered crashed spaceships at Roswell and elsewhere, why would they need to spend $22 million to fund this study? Because it exists in a vacuum by itself. As if all this other stuff isn't hanging out there. That's what I wonder about. Yes. I've always been skeptical about Tom DeLonge and all those people he's well, involved with. He's just a rock, he's a rock and he's a rich rock and roll singer. Well, yeah, he was born and on third base, if I recall. Well, whatever it is, I'm not a fan of his band. His, yeah, his, if his this is band what he wants, to do, fine. Right. I just think it's a little unusual that someone who is making so much money playing in a band one day decided, oh, I'm just going to investigate UFOs now. Well, so the same was true with, with Reg Presley of the Trogs. He wrote a book about crop circles. Remember the Trogs? Wild thing you make yeah. my heart. You mm -hmm. never heard that song? Oh, of course. Of right. Course. He wrote a book about crop circles. I wish he died, I think, in two, I think he died in 2007. I wish we had a chance to interview him, but I didn't learn about this till later because that would have been fun talking to him. Yeah, that would have been pretty that. interesting just to get some that of his stories. That would have been interesting. Yeah. So he's not the only one. And, of course... We know that John Lennon saw a UFO and mentions it in one of his songs. He's not surprised there are UFOs over New York City. That's paraphrasing one of the lyrics of one of his songs. So, yeah, there's, we, we know rock singers have been interested in UFOs for years. There was a song from Jimi Hendrix in one of his albums, Up From The Skies. And then what was it? Styx was singing, Come Sail Away, Come Sail Away With Me. And it was about a starship. Yeah, there's been lots of musicians out there who had reportedly seen things in the sky. And speaking of crop circles, how do you feel about Linda Moe and Hal? Uh, Chris used to work closely with her, so Brian. Right. I am not impressed with her because I think she kind of fell for her own, her own hype. She fell for her own hype, and I think that's part of it right there. Because I've seen examples, and we mentioned them on the Paracast a few times, where she fell for things that just didn't have a factual basis. And I think that sometimes you fall into that trap where you come out with good information and you get the impression the public wants something better. They want the sequel. Okay, this is good now. What can you show us tomorrow? And rather than just doing what you're doing and trying to do good work, maybe you accept things that you shouldn't accept as factual because they sound better oh, and they yes. get attention. You keep the attention going. You know, sometimes I think that maybe a few of the UFO contactees may have had real experiences early on. 
and then they embellish them. Embe- right. And, and wow, they get the public acclaim. And they embellish them even further. Yeah, they, they throw a little bit of hot sauce on that story. Well, uh, a lot more than hot sauce. Uh-huh. They, they basically drown it. They lace it in, in, in mind-altering drugs. Well, I don't know about that. Well, we could pretend. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll just run with it. If you win. Well, I don't know. I have different opinions on mine altering drugs and they're not necessarily negative so let's leave it at that uh, yes so it, also it depends, um, <laughs> on, it depends on the ones that we're talking about right uh, only natural um by the way uh, another figure out there who i personally have never really liked is that david wilcock he's not on my radar he just strikes me as someone who's extremely bizarre and full of himself especially with sure. some of the predictions he's made and just failed terribly. Well, that's true with a lot of these people who prognosticate. How many people prognosticate things that really happen? That's true. Also, he had lifted information. Yes. He also had lifted information from uh, William Henry, if I recall. Okay. But a lot of these people lift information. Right. But a lot of these people lift from others. It's just the way it goes. Well, it's creative like that yeah i would remember artists all learn artists all learn from other artists you know the the beatles lift from the everly brothers their harmonies and from buddy holly and the crickets and from little richard and from chuck berry you know it depends on on how you treat that right being influenced by others but if you just steal it wholesale you know that's different yeah there's lots of figures in the ufo community that i've just been completely skeptical about and I'm sure you felt the same uh, way. You, you've gone to these conferences. You, you've seen the faces. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, to some degree, huh? But that's what we have to deal with. Well, that's how it goes. I should tell you, I'm happy to go on for a little while longer, but I have to prep for another yeah, don't recording worry. session. Right. Don't worry. I, I was going to end it pretty soon here. We definitely are running out of time, and I definitely don't want to hold you up there. But I do want to thank you. Yeah, for, I have. Uh, mm-hmm. Sure. I was just going to say thank you for being a part of the program and spending some time with us here. It's always nice to talk to you. I've been listening to you and Chris for so long now. Well, I'm happy that you're a listener. Yeah, and on I and off. Good luck with your program. I'm going to probably have to listen to it someday because now that I've been on the show, my ego may require that I actually listen. Oh, shit. Yeah, go ahead and listen to that. It's pretty good. A few pages okay. down on uh, michaeldeacon.com, a few pages back there, you'll get that interview. It's pretty, it's pretty solid. Okay. Yeah, I think you'll be entertained. Sounds good. All right, Gene. Always yes. a blast talking to you. We'll, we'll do it again sometime. All right. You take care. All right, Gene. God bless. Take care. Bye. Bye. And that was Gene Steinberg, host of the Paracast. Great interview there. Really enjoyed talking to him. I want to thank him for being a part of the program. That was fun. And here we are on the last show of 2017. My God. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the program. I can't believe it's the final episode of 2017. Wow. What a tremendous year it's been. And I've said it I don't know how many times now, but really, I couldn't describe it any better. There's been countless memorable moments here on the program. I couldn't exactly say who's been my favorite guest. I know I know I got a couple of questions. can't answer that. I really have enjoyed them all, except one. There's been one guest who just wasted my time and your time. Not to worry, he won't ever be invited back to the program, so don't worry. Countless great memories outside the program, too. I've even met some of you listeners this year, too. I'm very fortunate to have interacted and met up with a very few. 
They've all been some of the greatest people I've ever met. Those who listen to this on the live stream, those who listen back on YouTube, those who have contributed money or have went to bat for me, that shit means a lot to me. As erratic and cynical as I can be, just know I appreciate your wonderful selves out there, you wonderful prick. Lots of you have lifted my spirits and blackened heart shine just a little bit more. And yes, of course, I'll get on with the t-shirt. The stream will be fixed soon. All the applications that have plagued us will soon fade away. And don't forget to donate. All funds go directly to either paying for the stream, the server, or audio equipment. I definitely need your help. Keep sharing the program with your friends, neighbors, or parents. There's a little something for everyone here you never know. I'm always shocked and amazed by the individuals who listen to the show. Hell, I'm still surprised many haven't caught on to a lot of the little inside jokes here that are deeply embedded into the program. Maybe some of you have. Lots of things go over people's heads here, and it's quite hysterical. And moving forward here, I recall early on, there were even a few individuals out there who had uh, kind of doubted me and doubted that the program would ever get... I know who you are, and I don't really forgive or forget. It certainly feels good to say, hey... You've been on the wrong horse. I could get it. Uh, I could get way deeper into that. However, I've already accomplished some goals here. Now I hope you all enjoyed your Christmas. I hope you got to hang out with your friends, your family. Probably some of you got a little drunk. Good time. Some of you still might be recovering from that headache. I'll be drinking a little later tonight. I'll be joining you, great folks out there too. I'll be taking a few days off. Don't freak out. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I'll return very soon. I do respect and admire all of you who have stuck with me through the thicken. I learned from uh, several of my mistakes this year. I really have. I hope you enjoy listening to this program. I seriously can't believe this year is over. As we move forward to 2018 and all the ups and downs it will bring, Trouble will for sure come and it will pass. Sun will definitely shine you too. Keep your head above water this year, boys. My name is Michael. Thank you for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like bullshit. Like, if I just see it, it's clear. <laughs> How Successful MMEs.